Welcome. We are so glad you've joined us today. Are you ready for another Bayside Christian Church podcast? Let's get straight into it. Jesus, when you go home tonight, when you can't sleep because God's just all over your soul. It's okay. He loves us. Let's take our seats. God bless you. Wow, it's great to be in the house of God to celebrate. We've been uh, doing a series on generosity and giving. And I know some people have really been touched by just stepping up and believing in faith. Dean and uh, Tanya, they wouldn't, wouldn't mind me sharing because they said it's okay. When uh, Murray Newman, our, the prophet, was here a couple of weeks ago, and uh, I think Pastor Peter was leading as we were going to give an offering to him, and he said, just give whatever God's told you to give. And uh, Dean and Tanya said, they came and were ready to give something. The Lord says, no, that's not the right amount. Go bigger. And so they sort of said, okay. They put it in. Before 24 hours was out, they run a bed and breakfast. They got a big booking came in, which was 10 times the larger amount they sewed in. Just like that. You don't give to get, but if you follow God's principle of sowing and reaping, there's an overflow comes to Allah. How many, I look back and think, how many times have I missed out on God's blessing because I was just too stingy? I was just, I was just trying to be thinking it through with my natural reasoning instead of just doing what God's told me to do. Or maybe he's said, go and bake a meal for the neighbours, the new neighbours. Think, oh, I'd love to, I'm too busy. Good intention, but it never gets there. And then they move and you think, I missed my chance. Who knows what would have happened if you just went next door with that meal. And I just want to encourage you, let's be fruitful. So I want to wrap up this series today with some practical teaching and some faith. And at the end, we're gonna, we are going to give you an opportunity to sow into this exciting vision for our uh, Bayside Care facility and developing the land across the road. But let's look at some word today. 2 Corinthians 9.8 says, And God is able to make... All grace abound to you, not just some, but all. That you always having all sufficiency in all things may have an abundance for every good work. How many times is all mentioned in that verse? Three times. Whenever God says something three times, you've got to listen. All grace abound to you. You'll have all sufficiency in all things. You may have an abundance for every good work. God is able to make all grace abound to me in every area of life. Salvation, healing, when we suffer loss or grief, in our finances, in our family, in our business, everywhere. He wants us to know his blessing. Does it mean that it's easy? No, because there's an active spiritual force out there to try and rob and steal from you. And we've got a few people around who get jealous when you get blessed. And sometimes we sabotage ourselves. We don't need any help from others or the devil because <coughs> we don't think we're good enough to deserve God's favour. Hey, grace means favour. All grace, all favour is meant to come over our lives because, not because you're better than anyone else, but because you're in God's kingdom and Him, He lives in you because Jesus is full of grace and truth. And if Jesus lives in you like we were singing today, then all grace and truth begins to break loose in our souls and we start to live with wisdom. All sufficiency, that means 
you're able to live in a perfect state, not having to need any extra aid or support. Wow, that'd be an awesome place to live, eh? All sufficiency. In other words, God's got everything for us. Also an abundance for every good work. I heard someone say money doesn't grow on trees. You heard that statement? Some of you have been out in the backyard looking to see if there's money growing on trees. I remember seeing a story when the flood came through. They found some money up in a tree. <laughs> it does grow on trees. No. But God does say that money grows on generational trees. So as we bless our extended family, favour grows. Our children's children will be so blessed that they will not need to make decisions based on money but on the purposes of God. Wouldn't that be an awesome place to live? Wow. God never encourages to give everything away. Someone say, you just got to give everything away all the time. Well, if you give everything away, then you've got nothing to sow for the next generation. Many people enjoy the wonder of being generous but don't experience full financial freedom. God wants us to be wise in what we do. So generosity is so essential. And a couple of years ago, we did the series by Pastor Paul De Jong on money, God, money and me. And I just wanted to grab a couple of thoughts out of that again because it really impacted my heart and uh, about creating a pathway. He calls it the 10-10-10-70 principle. There are four components to create the right foundation for the pathway of financial freedom. Anyone done some concreting or baked a cake? You've got to have the right ingredients in the right order. I did some concreting yesterday, concrete in my new mailbox. I've been going to do it for weeks, but it, it was, I dug the hole three weeks ago and well, it's been full of water ever since. <laughs> so if I would have tried to cement it with it's full of water, the ingredient mix would have been out of order. So when we do concrete or bake a cake, you've got to have the right things in the right order and the right amount. Otherwise, it just doesn't work. I gave up trying to bake cakes a long time ago because it just wasn't my gift. So Mary Lynn and others, that's their gift. So I enjoy the blessing of their gift. But I've done a bit of concreting in my time. So we need the right amount in the right order. And if you're baking whatever you're cooking, you've got to have it working together. If, you, if it's too dry, it's not going to work. If it's too wet, it's not going to set. And God wants us to realise we don't compromise what the recipe says. You need the right elements, the right temperature, and in the right order. It's the same with finances. Some people say, well, I've, I'm a generous person, but I've never got anything left. Sometimes we've just missed some of the principles that God wants us to have in our lives. And we, we talk about stewarding or honouring God's sovereignty, which comes out of revelation as we give first to God. Let's look at uh, four quick points today. Number one is stewardship. In other words, using what God's given us for his glory. This is the first and major component if you want to be blessed. Putting God first. And sometimes when you talk about this, people say, uh-oh, he's talking about money again. I said, yes, I am, because Jesus spoke on it way more than he did on faith and salvation, which is crazy. One in six verses in the Bible are about possessions and money. Because Jesus knows where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. I've seen people so blessed spiritually, but they live in poverty because they just haven't understood the, other, the rest of the story. Do you know what the word salvation means? It means wholeness in every area of your life. Your relationships, 
how your work ethic is, how you forgive, what you do with your money, how you share things, how you pass it on to the next generation. God's interested in all of that of our lives. And so stewardship. Let's look at uh, Malachi 3, 6 to 10. (coughs) For I am the Lord, I do not change. Therefore you are not consumed, O sons of Jacob. Return to me and I'll return to you, says the Lord of hosts. But you said, in what way shall we return? Verse 8, will a man rob God? Uh Uh-oh. Yet you have robbed me. But you say, in what way have we robbed you? In tithes and offerings. Wow, God gets right down to the crux here. They were going through a tough time in their life, but they had just forgotten some of the principles that God had for their life. He said, if you, where your treasure is your heart also, you need to get this whole thing about the lordship of Jesus over everything, otherwise you're going to struggle in areas of your life unnecessarily. Some will say, well, tithing's just in the Old Testament, and it's just Old Testament law. It was before the law, it was in the law, it was activated in the law, and it was also required after the law by Jesus' teaching. So you can't use that excuse anymore. So that one's out. Stewarding is giving to God what is first. Just putting him first. That's all it is. That's not too complicated, is it? Just giving him first. So we give him the first of our worship. We give him the first of our finance. We give him the first of our gifts and our talents. We give him the first when we want to share a testimony. It's not about attention to us. It's about first attention to him. So in all of our life, it's just putting him first Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these other things will be added to you. It's so simple that some of us miss it. Seek first the kingdom of God. So stewarding our tithe is the test. The tithe is not my tithe. I'm returning it to God. It actually belongs to him because he owns everything. And some people struggle right there. And that's why they struggle when we talk about money. Or about giving to God. They say, well, it's, it's mine. It's not yours. Our very life is God's because we're only one breath away from eternity. And when you live with that reality, then trusting God with our finance, with our gifts, it's not as difficult then because he's in charge. So it says the tithe, it says it's actually holy. It's not a seed. It's the test to see if we'll put him first over the rest. Well, that's a good way to put it, eh? Tithe means a tenth. Can I determine where it goes? No, it's God, so it goes to where he wants it to go, and it says to the local storehouse. Verse 10, Malachi 3, Bring all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house, and try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you so much blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it. Wow. When we do it, when we pass the test with God with our finances, it's amazing what else happens. And Marilyn and I have tithed and given all of our lives. I was brought up in a Christian home. When I got my first 10 cents of pocket money, guess how it came? One, five, two twos and a one. So I could put the one cent of tithe into the offering. That was my first 10 cents of pocket money when I was about 10, working on the farm. My parents taught me from day one that you always give God the first 10%. And it's been with me all my life. It's not a religious thing, it's a joy. I can't wait to get the church and do it. Because I learned 
that there's blessing, there's favour, there's overflow. Have there been some tough times? Yes. But because I've kept on sowing and honouring God, then his blessing comes and favour comes and he blesses us. And uh, it's amazing how God works it for his kingdom purpose. So the, God's plan for the salvation of the world, his first and ultimate plan is to work through the local church. Is God in control of my money? Is mammon in control of my money, as we talked last week? Or am I in control of my money? Guess who's the best organiser of it? God's way better than us. Some of us are terrible with money. We get paid on Friday and by Sunday it's all gone. We think, where did it go? And we can't just blame the crazy little cards we have now. It's an attitude of heart and stewardship. It reminds us that God is our source. Deuteronomy 8.17 says, Then you say in your heart, My power and the might of my hand have gained me this wealth. And you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you power to get wealth that he may establish his covenant which he swore to your fathers as it is to this day. There it is. God's the one who gives you. If you're successful in business, in your profession, in your entrepreneurship, I'm amazed at some of the ideas some young people come up with these days. Just amazing. They see the computer. They said, let's sell something online. Before you know it, they got this incredibly successful business. But God's the one who gives you the power to get wealth. Because he gives you the ideas. He uses your creativity. And when you put him first, he'll trust you with more and more ideas. He'll trust you with more and more contracts and ways to do life. Tithing doesn't guarantee financial breakthrough, but is the essential first step. God enters into partnership with my financial world. Wow, so we're partners with God. And that makes... All the difference. Second to sin, our unsurrendered money or material possessions, the enemy uses a major weapon to create restriction in our lives. And some of you are nodding your head saying, yep, that's been true. It's a distraction to the purpose of God and the blocking of the release for generations. Every day there's a battle going on for lordship over your lives. Have you noticed that? He's battling for your attention. He's battling for your mind space. He's battling for your finance. He's battling for your family. But he's our victorious one, but you've got to just keep partnering with him. Someone said, what do I do? You just keep leaning into God. If you're in the middle and you just lean on God's side, guess what? You're going to win. You start leaning over here and just start to doubt whether God's for you, you're in for some challenging times. But God's grace is there over our hearts and our lives. Every promise has a pathway to fulfillment. Tithing's about resetting sovereignty over our money and lives. It's a principle throughout the whole Bible. Put him first. The principle of first is right throughout Scripture. The firstborn lamb was set aside to be offered. Jesus was the firstborn son of God offered for us. By giving the first, it releases the rest for God's blessing. I've been in India and there's a lot of poor people over there, but Pastor Abram teaches his people from the day they get saved, they show up next week with their little cup of rice. They haven't got any money, but they start tithing their little bit of rice. So when they're cooking the meal, they put in nine cups and one they put aside to take to Jesus next Sunday. And when they do that, often after a few months or years, 
they don't just have enough rice for themselves, they end up starting to feed the whole village. Because God's favour starts to be released over their lives. Or they come with a banana. Next week they come with two bananas. It's not long before they're carrying a whole bunch to church to give away. Because they've learnt the power of blessing and overflow. Proverbs 3, 9 and 10 says, Honour the Lord with all your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing, your vats will brim over with new wine. Wow. Billy Graham said, One of the greatest sins in the church today is the fact that we are robbing God of what rightfully belongs to him. When we don't tithe, we shirk a just debt. Actually, you're not giving when we give God one-tenth because it already belongs to him. This is a debt we owe. Not until we have given a tenth do we actually make an offering. Billy Graham taught that. If a person gets his attitude to money right, it will help straighten out almost every other area of their life. And I have seen that over and over and over again. I remember when I was in the bank, the first guy I led to Jesus came and lived in the bank house with me when I was 18. And I said, Lord, send a Christian or someone who wants to get saved. So he said he did the second. Someone came along, wasn't sure about God, but he came along to church. After a little while, he gave his heart to Jesus. But for six months, he used to cringe every time it was offering time. His mum was an accountant. And he was taught to be self-sufficient. And it's all about us. We've done it. He would not let go of any money. And he'd come home, he'd be so upset. I said, you enjoy church? It was awesome preaching, worship was great, but that offering thing, I just hate it. For six months, he fought God on that. One day, we were driving home from church, and he was really happy. I said, you got the money thing sorted today, didn't you? And he looked at me really mad and said, yep. He was a free man after that. And I thought, wow, wasn't that a crazy? It took him six months to fight that through because it was such a stronghold on his life and I thought wow this is really quite powerful in our lives and God wants us to live in the overflow Jesus taught us to tithe with the right spirit we don't pay our tithe we're returning what belongs to God we're no longer under the curse Jesus dealt with all of our curses on the cross of Calvary hallelujah all the curse of sin and judgment and shame. He's dealt with it all. He took it all on the cross for you and I. So you don't have to live under a curse. Some people say, well, there's, um, there's a curse on my life. You don't have to live under it. We've got a guy coming later in the year, Alwyn Matt, and he had a visitation to heaven for an hour last year. He didn't die. He had an open vision and, he, and he's come back and he's going to come and preach here in our church. I won't steal all his thunder, but one key thought, he's, he said, the first, one of the first things Jesus taught him in heaven was that my people are not under a curse. The curse was on the ground and the serpent, but not on people. And he said, if you read the Bible correctly, you'll realize that the devil has lied to us all this time. And Jesus has taken it. And he said, whenever he preaches, like something just breaks loose over people's souls because we've lived under the lie that we're under a curse. But Jesus has broken it. And he'll come and share the rest in November when he comes. I wept as he shared in my office last year. He came and saw me and said, I've got to tell you what happened to my life. He's a very credible guy and uh, the power of God flows through him. But I thought, wow, so many people live under this false belief that they're under a curse. 
No, Jesus has broken the curse and as you come under the lordship of Jesus, you can learn to live in that freedom over our hearts and over our lives. When we fail to bring tithes and offerings, the spirit of mammon has a right to take hold and we are choosing to be financially independent from God and the enemy can have access. doesn't mean he's going to steal everything from you, but we unnecessarily leave ourselves open and vulnerable. That's why it's not a, a question or an argument with we. We just put God first and the blessing of God comes over our hearts and our lives. God's not wanting our money. He's seeking lordship. Does God need our money? No, he doesn't. He can make it. He can create it. But he needs our lordship and he uses our heart and our response to help finance him. One guy says the gospel's free but it costs money to get it out to, out to everyone. And that's a pretty good way to say it, hey? And God's there to help us. Haggai 2.8 says, The silver is mine, the gold is mine, declares the Lord. A.W. Tozer, some of you have heard, he's an amazing uh, preacher from uh, probably last century, <coughs> maybe the one before. He says, God does not need anything, not a dollar of our money. If we don't give it to God, it will rust and decay and will ultimately ruin you. Whoa, that's a bit of a scary quote. The man who has God for his treasure has all things in one. And as we honour God with whatever we have, our salary, our income, our interest, increase on sale of house, if you honour God, then the, the overflow will come into our lives. Martin Luther said, we cannot give God anything for everything is already his. And all we have comes from him. I can only give him praise, thanks and honour. Wow. Leviticus 27.30, and all the tithe... Tenth part of the land, whether the seed of the land or the fruit of the tree is the Lord's, it is holy to the Lord. So we don't want to rob anything from God. Bring it all into the local church. We can give to our missions, charity, all those things. Some will say, well, I can give it wherever I want. Well, if you follow God's word truthfully, it says bring it into the storehouse, the local place where you are blessed, and then you give offerings above to wherever you want to do it. That's God's word. Now, you can wrestle with that and I don't want to have a line up and debate me afterwards, but take it to God and have a chat to him and just see what he says. And uh, God wants us to be generous in every way that we can. Winston Churchill, so Winston Churchill said, we make a living by what we get, we make a life by what we give. I think that's a pretty powerful quote. We make a living by what we get, we make a life by what we we give to God, to others, to people in need. I think there's powerful, powerful truths there. Just quickly, we'll look at the other couple of things. The sec so one is um, stewardship. Second thing is seeding, understanding the power of seeding. Seeding opens the door for the harvest. If there's no seed, why would you expect to harvest? The law of seed, time and harvest. Noah and his family came out of the ark after the flood and God spoke to him. Listen to what he said in Genesis 8.22. While the earth remains, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, winter and summer, and day and night shall not cease. Still in operation today. Whether we think the planet's wearing out or whether it's global warming, I can see that's global warming the last few days, or climate change, hey, there are, the earth is getting old and groaning for its maker. But let's not get caught in unnecessary theories that can mess up our world. Let's be good stewards. God said, look after the earth. 
We should be the best stewards of our planet and animals and plants. But it goes on and says, seed, Tom, and harvest. If you seed, plant seed, you can expect to harvest. Many things are beyond our control, but sowing seed and harvest is not one of them. Galatians 6, 7 says, Do not be deceived, be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that will he also reap. Don't be deceived or led off the pathway. In the J.B. Phillips version says, Don't be under any illusion. You cannot make a fool of God. A man's harvest in life will depend entirely on what one sows. Goes on, Galatians 6, 8. For he who sows to the flesh will of the flesh reap corruption, but he who sows to the spirit will of the spirit reap everlasting life. So we've got the carnal nature and the God nature. The enemy knows seed releases harvest. That's why he tempts us to sin and do dumb things because he knows it's going to get multiplied in our life and our generations. That's the battle. But he also knows that if we sow into the kingdom of God and in righteousness to our generations, there's incredible favour and growth increases. That's why it's such a battle in this area for so many people. And it goes on in uh, verse 9 and 10. And he, do, let us not be, grow weary in doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all, especially those who are of the household of faith. We're a faith people. Giving's a faith step. Every time I put my tithes and offerings in, I'm believing God's going to bless the 90% and provide for our family. Every time I sow into an offering when he challenges me to give to missions or to uh, uh, sowing a seed into our home for the harvest or to transformations or whatever it is for our offering day, whenever I, I do what God tells me to do, I know I've sown some more seed and then I'm not surprised six or 12 months later when unsurprising things come along my way to bless. The car that broke down, you think it's going to cost you $2,000, ends up $2 thing that needed changing. My clutch died on my old car years ago. Going down, the clutch went to the floor, and I thought, oh, no, I've ruined a clutch. I go to the mechanic. It was a $2 little clip that had fallen off. I thought, thank you, Jesus. Next time it went, thank you, Jesus, it's a $2 clip. Then I finally sold the car because it kept breaking. <laughs> and believe for a better car. God's favour can come in all sorts of ways. He's an incredible, incredible God. Imagine a farmer expecting a different harvest to the seed the farmer had sown. He planted corn and he's expecting a harvest of wheat. We'd think, how dumb are you? How crazy are you? He's cursing God because he's got corn instead of wheat, but he planted corn seeds. And yet we do it all the time. We plant rubbish and we expect good to come. We wonder, why am I battling so much in my life? Because you've sown to the flesh. You've sown wrong words with your mouth. You've sown wrong things in our attitudes. How come everyone's in strife around here? Well, have you looked the way you speak to one another? God says, come on, let's sow and reap the same. You need to sow purposeful seeds. You can't harvest a great marriage without sowing honour to your spouse. You can't harvest victory with seeds of depression. You can't harvest unity after sowing seeds of strife. You can't harvest lasting success with seeds of compromise. 
You can't harvest financial breakthroughs without the right financial seeds. Why? Because seeds produce after their own kind. We need to move from need consciousness to seed consciousness. We're so busy wondering what our needs are and God says, hey, find the right seeds because then your needs are going to be met. Might mean the, the words you sow change and all of a sudden the atmosphere changes. And God says, come on, let's understand. Let's become seed conscious instead of need conscious. What are you sowing your life right now in this season of fear and uncertainty? So love and kindness and generosity and see the harvest grow in and through you. As soon as we think we can't, we've already sown a seed that has a harvest attached to it. We can't be negative and expect a positive outcome. Thirdly, just as we come to wrap it up, so we have stewardship, sowing and saving. Uh-oh, who's a really good saver out there? Three people. Who's a really good spender out there? Yeah, about 300. I thought that would be the case. <laughs> In our world, we're so much better at spending than saving. Because saving means delayed gratification. And we're not really good at that in our selfish world that we live in. Proverbs 13.22 says, A good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children, but the wealth of the sinner is stored up for the righteous. Whoa, I like that verse. Don't give everything away and then hope for a harvest. Legacy creates a generational echo. A little saved and invested today can consume an ever-enlarging tomorrow. If you manage your money, it won't manage you. Stewarding, sowing seed, saving. That's why uh, Paul de Jong used the 10-10-10 principle. 10% tithes to God first. 10% of uh, sowing into maybe sowing into a home or a business or sowing into something else. 10% of saving and then you live off the 70 if you can get to there you live in financial freedom most of us struggle to get through each week and the spirit of god said hey come on let's let's start changing the way we do life if you can't do 10 10 10 70 start with 10 2 2 whatever that is 78 or 76 or whatever 86 Make some steps forward and you'll see. And even the world, has, the barefoot investor tells people to do this. I don't think he's a Christian. The business world knows this works. And sometimes as Christians, we're slow to get a hold of it. Stewarding, the first 10. Sowing, 10. Saving, 10. And living off 70 and you'll live a free financial life. Latorno, who invented bulldozers and graders and all those things he was a christian guy he got to the point he got so blessed that he lived off 10 percent of his income in the end because he built this principle and it just kept on adding and adding and he ended up so blessed by god he ended up living off 10 percent because that was still millions of dollars a year and he started with nothing but learnt to do this under god's favor and i'm not saying everyone's going to get there because mostly wouldn't know what to do with a few million dollars it would just be a burden for us but hey, he wants us to live in financial freedom and blessing. So that when someone knocks on your door that's got no food, you've got something spare to give them. What a joy that is. And that's how we want to be as a church. Saving can reduce your debt. If you manage your money, the farmer sows the seed, then he collects the harvest, then he sows more seed. My dad used to plant potatoes and pumpkins. And the first thing he'd do, 
after he'd harvested the potatoes and we'd be out there picking bags of it, he would then put half a bag aside and he says, that's our seed for the next crop. That's the first thing he would do. And then he'd also be giving away some to the neighbours who weren't diligent in planting, so he'd be sharing some of the overflow. And then we had enough potato and pumpkin for the whole year because my dad understood the power of this principle. He says, don't eat the seed. Us kids would look, that's the best pumpkin I've eaten. He says, yeah, but don't touch it because that's got the best seed in it. So he taught us really young, don't, don't take the biggest and best potatoes and don't take the biggest and best pumpkins because that's the best seed. Farmers know this, but most of us don't grow up on farms anymore. So we need to be taught this. And the last one is uh, spending is the greatest challenge. We don't really understand delayed gratification today's high-pressured advertising and marketing world. With spending, we must live within predetermined boundaries. Tomorrow's breakthrough requires strong budgeting and focused boundaries in our borrowing and spending. I shared last week, don't borrow for depreciating assets that are going to disappear. Don't borrow 10 grand to go on a holiday and then you spend 10 years paying it off. And you pay 5 grand in interest in the process. Look at increasing our income. Proverbs 13.22 says, A good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children, but the wealth of the sinner is stored up for the righteous. Much food is in the fallow ground of the poor, and for lack of justice there is waste. Look for creative ways to increase your income. If I increase my income, I can increase my spending. If I do it God's way, I release his supernatural power to bring the increase. Have a budget. That's a, that's a challenging word to some of us, eh? Well, I did one three years ago, and it lasted 24 hours, so I don't do it anymore. Hey, there's great courses, the cap money course and other things to help us. So just to wrap it up, the enemy has no answer when we do it God's way. You are blessed to be a blessing. So wrap it up. Tithing is stewarding, being, stewarding, being faithful what belongs to God. Two, seeding is guaranteeing a harvest for the future. Three, saving is creating a legacy to bless the generations to come. And four, spending wisely means practicing delayed gratification and living within our means. Wow. Worship team coming up. We're going to take, uh, give you an opportunity to give a special offering, but I just want to, for two minutes, re- remind us what we're doing this offering for. Have we got those uh, plans, Dean? Oh, look at this. He's on the ball. Ask and you shall receive. The land across the road, we bought about 10 years ago, and we've have just had it for overflow car parking. And, and uh, so now we feel it's time to develop it. So in the front there, we're going to develop a Bayside Care Facility, which is two six-by-three demountables that we put together. And uh, there it is. And we'll end up with three counselling rooms, a meeting room, kitchen, toilet. And because the, the house we've been using for all this ministry is being sold. We've heard there's a contract on it this week, so it could sell in the next few weeks. And investors buying it so we can probably rent it back short term until we can build this. So we take an offering so we can sow into this. And uh, it's way cheaper than building a house. Jamie and the board and Mary Sarah have been working hard. For about $120,000, we can have a house to minister to our community. And how awesome is that? Anyone's got a house? I bet you haven't. I bet it's worth more than 120,000. But we're using demountables and putting them together, and it's air conditioned. It's got all the things in it, and that's what is happening. So this back to the bigger plan. We in in time we want to build a men's shed. We've got a little shed up the back there. We want to build a big men's shed where we can do 
training and courses and, and helping transformation guys come and learn some more skills and mentoring and passing on a whole lot of skills. And up the back, we want to build some secure lockup sheds for people. Because if, you, if you've got some furniture and you try to find one, they cost a fortune and they're booked out all the time. So this way we can build some and, and have some income come to help pay off that and then in time help to resource and pay off our home for the harvest. And God's dropped that idea in our heart and we think it's a great idea. So it's going to cost money to do. We're still investigating that, um, how much it's going to cost. Um, we're hoping that we can build some for uh, maybe 80000 or so, 200000 like we'll build first stage and then we'll build more as we go. And down the track, we'll put um, maintenance sheds and all sorts of stuff over there because when we build our home for the harvest out here, the offices and the, the kids' hall and the sheds at the back will all go. That'll be the new building here and car parking. So we need some, to move some things across the road. And But as I shared a few weeks ago, the building climate is crazy at present. Prices have just gone crazy. Um, it's really unpredictable with builders, so we don't, we don't feel to proceed with that. But I want to assure you, we're not going to use any of the money you've given for our Home for the Harvest for over the road. We're doing this as a separate project. So thank you for those who have been sowing in and uh, over the last few years. And that's set aside and we're continuing to put 2000 a week aside and other people still keep giving into that because we want to build this facility. But it's going to be several million dollars to build that. A 650-seat auditorium, um, have community centre, cafe, we can have lunch after church, have supper, all sorts of things. And uh, so many areas and rooms we can hire out for our community and do all our different ministries. But we don't feel as a leadership that's the right time to do that because things are just way too chaotic. But to build this across the road, it's not complicated. We don't, it's not a going to cost have lots of trades involved we can do some of it ourselves as a church and so we're sowing in to get this kick-started and going if needed we'll borrow a little bit of money but we'll pay it off by when we stop renting that that can help pay off the loan and the income from the sheds will quickly pay off if we if we need to borrow some money so that's our plan and I think it's exciting I don't know about you, but it's really got a hold of my heart. And Mary Lynn helps oversight, oversight basic care. She's jumping out of her skin with excitement. We're building a whole new team um, so that we can do courses. We can feed the poor. We can uh, do our counselling. We can hire out some of those rooms to other counsellors to come in, Christian counsellors and minister to our community. And it's just going to be an exciting, exciting adventure. And that's why I want to encourage you. Let's step in and partner together. Why don't we stand together? And uh, some of you have come prepared today to give in this offering. If you haven't, you can give online and we're going to keep the appeal open for the rest of the month. So maybe you've been away on holidays or just haven't heard about things. Oh boy, that's starting to stir my heart. If you want to talk to any of the, the team. And if you put it into, uh, on the brochure that we gave out last week, it's the Home for the Harvest account, but just mark it Land Development so that we know it's separate from money for our Home for the Harvest. And if you want to put it in an envelope in the next couple of weeks, put it in online. And, uh, or if you've got cash or checks today or you want to do FPOS afterwards, jump online. Whatever God stirred your heart. As we were worshipping earlier, the Holy Spirit drops stuff into my spirit all the time. And I wrestled with this one, but the Holy Spirit kept bringing it back. I said, okay, 
I will say it. I felt the Holy Spirit say there's at least two people, and I don't, you know, I don't do this regularly. There's at least two people who have set to do something, but the Lord says, I've stirred your heart and I've blessed you, and I want you to give at least $10,000 into this. And I'm thinking, whoa, Lord, I'm not going to say that. He says, you're better because I've told you to. And that's not to manipulate anyone, but you'll know. If that's you, you'll know. Others, we put our 50 bucks in or 100 or whatever God's given us. That's okay. Some say, oh, I don't have much. Someone sent me an email and said, oh, I'd love to give, but I don't have much. But I said, we're going to set up a garage tile and give the proceeds. I thought, well, that's a, that's a great idea. So there's a million and one ways we can sow into stuff, you know. Please don't reach into someone else's wallet and put some of their money in there. That's, that's, not, that's not kosher. But I just think there's something amazing happens when we partner with God. Before we give, why don't we pray? Why don't you lift up your hands to heaven? I want you to thank God for this teaching on finance. And if you've wrestled with debts that are out of control, if you've wrestled with just not being able to manage money well, or you've had reversals and maybe you've been bankrupt in the past and there's a fear about, God, how can I make this happen? Let's believe for breakthrough right now in Jesus' Name. Father, we give ourselves to You. Lord, we surrender to Your Lordship and the power of Your Word of sowing and reaping, of stewardship and putting You first. Lord, even some right now are wrestling with it. God, bring a freedom. Help us say yes to the Holy Spirit. Lord, I just thank You for favour over our church. Lord, for increase over our businesses. Lord, for work and jobs and, and unexpected windfalls of finance, Lord. I thank You for creative ways to see money rise. And I pray our church will become so generous, Lord, that we can see every ministry, every mission, transformations, chaplaincy, all the things that we're involved with, our home for the harvest, Lord, this Bayside Care Facility. Lord, we can see overflow in Jesus' Name. Come on, let's step out in faith. Let's believe together. So release Your provision, Father. Lord, You said You'd raise up the finance, even from the world, to give into the Kingdom of God. But Lord, as we do what we can, You'll do what we can't. And Lord, our faith rises in You and we declare Your provision. We declare Your favour, O oh God. We declare Your release over our lives. And Lord, today, we just sow in what we have and believe for Your increase and provision. In Jesus' mighty Name. God bless you. The bucket's going to come round. If you've got cash or checks, put it in. If you want to do FPOS afterwards, come and talk to us. Come and do that for the Kingdom of God. Let's sing a song, guys. God bless you. Thank you for joining us. The Bayside Christian Church community aims to transform our city and beyond with the life and power of Jesus Christ. If you want to know more or just keep in touch, check us out at www.baysidechristianchurch.com.au or follow us on our social media sites at Bayside Christian Church.